0: Danish and Confused. Welcome to the fifth episode of Danish and Confused a podcast where I explore music from Scandinavia, talk about my experiences in Denmark, and every other episode I interview musicians whose fate has also brought them to the shores of this little harbour city, just like me. In episode two I talk to two friends who are musicians from Canada, one of them whose music you'll hear in a second, and in the previous episode I had two other friends over, one from Bolivia and the other one from Iceland, so go check that out. However, today, once again, it is story time. I will weave a little web of songs from the north as I tell you a little bit about the humble adventures that I've been having here. But first of all, a very, very wonderful new year to all of you. I hope you had the chance to be with your loved ones. And I hope that the second year of this strange decade so far will bring us more daylight on the horizon and hopeful spirits around us. Call each other, send letters, light candles, write poems, take photographs, go hug trees, discover weird music, walk until your legs hurt and think until your brain smiles. And don't forget to dream, dream, dream. Part 13, an old town by the sea Back in December, when the holiday season was upon us, it was impossible not to feel festive. Even though the weather was indeed, frightful. it was met with an amount of decorative lights that surely is worth a mention in the Guinness Book of World Records. It made a stroll through the city indeed. delightful. One place in particular elevates the magic of Copenhagen. When you walk through it at twilight or after sunset, you're sure that there's not a warmer, cold place to be in the city. Neuhaum is a harbor and a historic canal, situated between the center of Copenhagen and the island of Holmen in Christiania. The cozy houses are the color red, blue, yellow, variated from dark to lighter tones. And they're lined up along the water where the masts and the sails of the boats and the ships emerge from behind the wooden docks. All of the sails are decorated with sparkly lights and usually, so not in covid times, there's laughter and clinking glasses heard from the terraces where wintry people stop to drink a glass of glug. I feel like one of those guides on the many, many touristic boats sailing through this harbor. But to stay in my role, here's some more fun facts for you. Nuhaun literally means new harbour, but it's not that new anymore, actually. The houses are about 300 years old, and the oldest one is number 9, that says in large numbers 1681. The building of the harbour was commissioned by King Christian V. I can only imagine what time it must have been to be alive when bold Scandinavian sailors came back from long journeys on rough seas, making port at Newhoun to find comfort in the warm cafes and in the warm arms of lovely damsels. And I'm also not the only one who must find this place stimulating for the imagination. For there is a writer, a very well-known writer, who has lived in Newhoun in the 19th century, Hans Christian Andersen. On misty mornings, he must have looked out of his foggy window at the still water by the docks and imagined a curious girl in the water, a little mermaid, looking up at the houses, wondering what it would be like to be human. Part 14. The Little Mermaid. The story of The Little Mermaid is tragic, melancholic, beautiful, scary, and not at all like the one that Disney told us. It doesn't have a jolly Jamaican crab Under the sea. or frustrated French cooks.
1: Les poisons, les poisons, how les
0: love to chop no underwater jazz band or any of that hoi polloi. But I suppose the gist of the story remained upright. Are you ready for a little bit of story time? I'll try to wrap myself up in the spirit of Hans Christian Andersen and tell a summary of the tale, pun intended, of the Little Mermaid as it was originally told. The Little Mermaid lives with her widowed father, or the Sea King, and her five older sisters in the waters of the Nordic Sea. All the sisters are born one year apart, and every time one of them turns 15, she gets to swim to the surface and see the world above for the first time. The little mermaid hears the stories of her sisters about the big cities and the vibrant festivities of man on land. And when she finally turns 15, it's her turn. On the surface, she witnesses a birthday party on a ship. And the ship happens to have a handsome young prince on board, Lucky Mermaid. But alas, a storm rises up and the ship sinks to the depths. Shit happens. She rescues the unconscious prince and takes him on a shore to a temple, where she leaves him in the caring hands of a nice young lady. She swims back home and asks her grandmother about human life. You see, humans have souls that live on after they die, Whereas mermaids, after having lived for 300 years, they merely turn into meaningless sea-foam. That's some nice fuel for a major existential crisis, thought the little mermaid, and she went to visit the sea witch. She said, I want to marry the prince and have an eternal soul, please. After which the witch gave her a potion, but strings attached. And this is where it gets a little bit too much for good old Mr. Disney. Drinking the potion will feel like a knife passing through her body and, when having acquired those beautiful dancing legs, it will however feel as if she's walking on sharp knives and she will bleed constantly. Oh, and you can also only have this soul if you actually manage to marry the prince, which might be difficult to do because, by the way, I'm taking away your voice as well. Oh, and if you fail, you'll die of a broken heart and you will turn into sea foam have a great day say no more said the little mermaid and she drinks the potion goes on land naked meets the prince naked and surprise he doesn't fall in love with her he's fallen in love instead with the nice lady at the temple who he thinks saved his life and who also happens to be the princess of the neighboring kingdom tough luck mermaid the royalty marry on a ship and the little mermaid witnesses. Worst tinder date ever. Her heart breaks and she despairs. But she doesn't turn into sea foam yet. Her sisters come to save the day. They sacrifice their long beautiful hair to the sea witch in exchange for a dagger. Can you feel the red wedding vibes bubbling up? If the little mermaid murders the prince and his bonny lass while they're sleeping on their wedding night. And if she steps with her feet into their blood, she will become a mermaid once again. However, she cannot bring herself to do it, and when the dawn comes, she throws herself off the ship, expecting to dissolve into the sea. But instead, as a reward for her selflessness, she is turned into an ethereal spirit, a daughter of the air. Her soul can still become immortal, if she dedicates it to doing good deeds and this part I find is so beautifully written that I'll quote it. We are the daughters of the air, they answered. A mermaid has no immortal soul and can never get one unless she wins the love of a human being. Her eternal life must depend upon a power outside of herself. The daughters of the air do not have an immortal soul either, but they can earn one by doing good deeds. We fly to the south, where the hot poisonous air kills human beings unless we bring cool breezes. We carry the scent of flowers through the air, bringing freshness and healing balm wherever we go. When for three hundred years we have tried to do all the good that we can, we are given an immortal soul and share in mankind's eternal bliss. You, poor little mermaid, have tried with your whole heart to do this too, Your suffering and your loyalty have raised you up into the realm of airy spirits, and now, in the course of three hundred years, you may earn, by doing good deeds, a soul that will never die. When in Denmark, do as the tourists, and go see the statue of the Little Mermaid, or Den Lille Haufru. He might have been told, just like me, that it's absolutely not worth seeing. But go there with a story in your mind, ignore the modern industry in the background, and you might find that it's not that unappealing or disappointing. I thought it was a charming statue, much more telling than our own Belgian Monikipis, who, as far as I know, did not have to endure trauma and suffer abuse in order to find some peace of mind. The statue of the little mermaid was gifted to the city in 1913 by Danish brewer Carl Jacobsen, who you will probably know from the slogan, probably the, the best, best beer in the world. world. And if not that, then maybe from the advertisements with the face of the Danish film industry, Mats Mikkelsen, whose seductive smolder could sell you beer that tastes like mud and you would buy it because he's so damn charming. Probably. Anyway, the statue depicts the little mermaid looking longingly onto the shore, hoping to catch a glimpse of the prince that she anonymously rescued. The thing that I found most impressing, though, was not the statue. But the rocks on which it balanced because it looked more unstable than the tower of pisa to be honest what a dodgy thing to place a statue on that carries your national legacy i'd say the ocean sparkles
2: in the sun wet and in the cold spring I feel like giving you things I feel like I feel like giving you things I feel like giving I wanna list something pretty like I want to describe something pretty like Cantaloupes and orchids A pair of glossy lips Brownish-purple figs Something black that feels like color Clusters of flowers a blue vein bulging from your arm blue waist stretching drops and water swirls your
0: 15. Frankly, my dear. When you're in the center of Copenhagen and you take the train up north for about 20 minutes, you'll stumble upon a big and wide forest called Duhaven, literally translated, it's Deer Park. You get what you pay for, because it's a park full of deer. Wild, free, roaming deer in a national resort full of forests, wide open fields, still lakes and beautiful landscapes. About 2,000 deer inhibit the park, so don't be alarmed if you hear the wild roar of a feisty male. It's eerie and quite hilarious at the same time. It sounds somewhat like you ate too many beans for breakfast, eh? With so many deer around, it's only a logical response of the royalty to start hunting them. The park has been cultivated and maintained for royal hunting purposes by the Danish crown since 1669. And in the heart of this UNESCO World Heritage site lies the Hermitage, or the Royal Hunting Lodge. It's a grand and stern looking house, suited for royalty and fancy hoipoloi, horse carriages races in the summer, and sledding races in the winter. But come summer or winter, frankly, the deer don't give a damn. <laughs>
3: Jeg ligger bare her Og går og spiser jord Her er så varmt og mørkt og vått Her er så fredelig og godt I natt kom regnet lett Og banket sakte på Den visker til meg Lille bror'en. Vakka
1: dag med du så stor
0: 16. Copenhagen, the war zone. I went home for Christmas, back to good old Belgium to spend some time with the family. But come December 31st, the long-awaited ending of 2020, after having a corona test stick up my nose two times and being tested negative two times, I was back in Copenhagen, and during the daytime, nothing really seemed out of the ordinary there. The Danes went about their day, and I had to get used to seeing signs and words again that I still cannot pronounce, and hearing a language again that sounded like people gently being punched in the stomach, to be honest. But the dusk came, and Copenhagen brought out their guns. big guns. In the seven and a half hours leading up to midnight, it seemed that the population of Copenhagen was determined to blast the sky to bits to scare every dog, cat, duck, goose, mouse in the neighborhood. I, for one, was quite astounded by the grandeur by which the Danes celebrate their new year. I like to believe that everybody sort of raided the firework stores as soon as Christmas had ended. Glasses of glug left cold on the table, the brunch untouched as everybody ran towards the stores to hoard fireworks. And so on the evening of the 31st, we biked through the city on our way to Hellerup, a municipality of Copenhagen. And it was the most intense bike ride of my life. To my left and to my right there were blasts of light and sound as there were children, teenagers and adults in the streets firing off their fireworks. Meanwhile I was getting texts of my parents back home saying how uneventful the new year celebrations are in belgium where firework is even prohibited now and there i was biking at full speed over the bridges and over the main roads dodging children playing with fire like a crazy post-apocalyptic free-for-all war zone for reference this is what it sounded like biking through the city Judging by the pedestrians with dogs that weren't going mad or weren't barking like crazy, it almost felt as if this was the most normal thing in the world for Danes. If this is how you celebrate during a pandemic, then how on earth do you celebrate normally? 17, the aftermath of new beginnings. Remember when I talked about the North and its tradition of ice bathing? Remember how I made a promise that I would face the cold water this winter and jump in? Well, I'm pleased to say that I followed through, and on January 1st, after we ate all of the desserts of the previous night for breakfast, and when we were done being lazy with a guitar on our lap or a piano on our hands, We went to Alma beach and we kept our promise. It was already dark back then and we put on twenty layers of clothing, or at least that's what it felt like. We jogged for about five hundred meters, we ran onto the sand and then onto the dock, looking out at a dark sea with the lights of Sweden in the distance. But the sweat on my back soon turned to chilly goosebumps when I removed layer after layer. The dock felt like ice underneath my bare feet, and when we finally were fully naked, we ran into the sea, screaming in absurdity, and descended the ladder of icy hell. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. That's how long I told myself to stay in there. While making my body hyperventilate on the most intense and most sharp air that I've ever inhaled. The electric sensation travelling through my body was terrifying and addictive at the same time. Ten seconds passed and we climbed back onto the dock. And then I didn't know the body could experience such different sensory feelings all at once. I felt cold, so cold that I felt warm again. I felt fresh, I felt extraordinarily alive highly high, and I can't remember if the sounds that I made were laughter or screams or if those were even distinguishable at the time. And when I was dry, I was warm. I spread my arms over the open sea and I flashed Sweden. And it felt great. We strolled back over the beach and warmed ourselves with a cup of tea once we got home, only to do it all over again the very next day. I'm proud to say that Since New Year's, I've been either going swimming every day or every other day, in daylight or in the dark. And every time that I'm on that dock, there are other people there, young, old and everything in between. There must be some sort of silent, mutual understanding between these seasoned Nordic warriors that the body needs a deep dive every once in a while in order to get itself high. That layers of old skin need to be washed off in a way that no bathtub or shower could ever do. Getting your heartbeat up and getting addicted to those elements of the earth because you are part of it. And in that water, I was reminded of the poem Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. And meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers, Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. 18. Out with the old, in with the new. Can we all agree that 2020 was a pretty crappy year? Okay. Our values as humans from this strange blue planet were being put to the test from day one. Our house is on fire, and there is this invisible smoke hanging over us that we're ignoring as we're breathing it in. Living in multiple lockdowns, It's almost impossible not to think about the deterioration of things at least once. I, myself, have tried to place myself in this changing world and try to make my moving to Denmark as conscious as possible. What can I learn from these people here? The Nordic underdogs that always seem to have their shit together. What is the smallest building brick there is to start with? Maybe it's to value yourself and the smallest that you carry. Make that smallness as meaningful and as nice as you possibly can. Take care of yourself. Remember the legacy of your well-being, and you can make it through the dark hour of any night. And the nights here are dark and cold, and they sneak in fast. And how do you cope with a cold, dark night? Hugge. H-Y-G-G-E. Yes, I know you've probably seen that word on those commercial books about the little book of Hygge, the Danish art of living well.
2: They say that we Danes are the happiest nation in the world. So, what's our secret? Is it that we make time for Hygge? Feeling all fussy and snotty together.
0: Hygge translates to coziness, but it's a lot more ungraspable than that. Comfort, well-being, Togetherness, atmosphere, love, home, safety, those are the things that encompass Hygge. And in retrospect, looking at all the things that I've experienced here, Hygge was smeared all over it like butter on toast. I've learned to take breaks, not only from social media, but from long heavy workflows. I learned how to be somewhere in the now phones turned off, getting comfortable with the lights turned down and candles spread across the room. Taking time for good food is hygge, I've learned how to build relationships with some of the most beautiful people that I've ever met. Because spending time with your tribe is just peak hygge. If you look before you and only see the cringy commercial side of hygge, then I invite you to look the other way and to choose to spend this 2021 just like the happy don't give a shit Danes. Cause if you can not only survive, but live in the dark winter, then I think you'll absolutely thrive when the daylight is back to stay. And if everybody would just try this year to bring out the warm remnant part of our worn out 2020 souls, then we'll surely clear that invisible smoke, and breathe in fresh, clear skies again sooner than we think.
3: to tell you this Through the series of- Together on. Keeping everybody together
0: on. that's all for me in this episode of danish and confused all music that i played can be found in the spotify playlist danish and confused my name is Marie maas and you can find me on instagram under the name audrey makes music Happy New Year, and I hope you have a splendid 2021. Viseis o Kealehu. Danish and confused.